He is the way and the truth and the life. We have to die in order to live. Good morning, Father. Good morning, John Ray. How's it going today? Uh, beautiful. It's cool. Um, I'm going hopefully hunting this week. Uh, the first two weeks of deer season, I haven't been able to go. One thing comes up and another thing comes up. But as of right now, I plan on sitting in a stand. Nice. I um, don't bow hunt as you do, mm-hmm. right? And so our, our season opens Saturday and it's going to be 80. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I Come love, on. I started bow hunting last year. I, have, I fell in love with it. I yeah. could. I remember a lot of friends of mine, even family, they bow hunt and they always talk it up and stuff like that. And uh, I would just kind of listen to them and I just kind of ignored them. But after doing it, oh, it's so, it's so nice. It's therapeutic, really, to shoot your bow. I would, last year, during the season, I would literally try to shoot my bow for five minutes every day. So you would you were going on the football field? No, I was, where, where I was going at the school. No, no, uh, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, no, I was speaking of the school though. Let me let me take a little segue. Uh, just want to congratulate the sixth grade uh, Cougar team. Uh, last night they won uh, and un- they they had an undefeated season and they won the championship last night. Yeah, it was incredible and they won what was it 26 to 8 or something? 26 to 8. It was the first I think the first time a team scored on them. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. They, they, they went the whole season and no one scored on them. Well, I uh, I didn't know that. I don't have a sixth grader. I have a seventh grader and we a like freshman. And so we were at the games, uh, the game last night. But uh, we were talking about bow hunting with mm-hmm. um, our good friend Zane Foley. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so okay. shout out to Zane. Anyway, yeah, continue. He, Therapeutic. Yeah, I would actually drive to my dad's house, just like a 15-minute drive, 20-minute drive. Now, all the way in Scott. And I would drive there, shoot my bow for like five minutes, and then drive right back. Wow. <laughs> it was uh, it was very therapeutic. Behind yeah. the scenes, the real life of our priest. Oh, look, there's a lot. Of, yeah. <laughs> I get up every day at 4 a.m. I go do something at 5 a.m. And then, you know, and then, but my first thing is not till really like 7 or something like that. Uh, unless I have the morning masses, yeah, and really it's just morning school drop off. Uh, but a lot you squeeze things in when you can. Sure. So, yeah, um, Lucy walked in this morning and said, "It is freezing cold, mommy. Can you put my jacket on?" I was like, "Baby, it's gonna be freezing tomorrow. It's not freezing today." <laughs> yeah, oh, I love this weather. Love Absolutely. It. So you uh, you were talking about. Um, wanting to go on a rant about um a feast we just celebrated yeah so the uh yesterday monday 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 we had uh the feast of saint ignatius of antioch saint ignatius of antioch was a, a, an extraordinary i say this all the time huh he was a giant in the faith but he they, really they all were they all were but he really was huh i really mean sure. it this time guys uh <laughs> I'm, telling you. I'm telling you i really do mean it this time saint ignatius of antioch um uh, his feast was monday and i was preaching on him and it reignited my love for him uh, my devotion to him because our biblical professor uh dr vall um, you will never most likely hear about this man. He's uh, kind of, there's the popular biblical scholars, uh, 
that we all know and love, like Scott Hahn or Brad Petrie or the like. Um, and then there's people like Dr. Vall, who um, you'll never hear about. That's the scholars for the scholars. I remember he told us a story about how the Vatican reached out to him uh, to translate the entire Old Testament. Mm. Uh, and he said, I'll do it if you give me this much time. And they said, no, we need it faster than that. He said, okay, then I'm not going to do it. He refused to budge in regards to giving dignity to uh, scripture. He says, if I can't have this much time to accurately portray, then I'm not going to do it. Wow. Uh, and so he's, he's, he's a pretty, he's, he's a big figure. So he would give Father Joel type homilies. No, he would, he would rock <laughs> Father Joel's world. He rocks my world. I'm just talking about in length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not so, in quality. Well, his first book he ever wrote was an 850 page book on St. Ignatius of Antioch. Uh, and so, of course, n- nobody read it. Mm. But uh, he had a big devotion to him which kind of gave gave us a big devotion to St. Ignatius of Antioch. So uh, a few little tidbits about St. Ignatius. St. Ignatius popularly believed that he died in 107 or 110. He was a direct disciple of St. John. We call those the apostolic fathers. There's the apostles, right? The 12 apostles. Um, and then of course, um, you know, you have St. Paul who claims to be an apostle, uh, apostle, uh, and then you have the apostolic fathers, which are the people that were directly trained by the apostles, mm-hmm. like St. Uh, Clement of Rome, St. Polycarp, St. Ignatius of Antioch, and then you have the church fathers. The church fathers are about the next, four, next 500, 600 years. Uh, St. Ignatius of Antioch is widely regarded as probably the best of the apostolic fathers the most known at least saint ignatius it was popular believed through tradition that jesus christ baptized only one person saint peter our first pope saint peter baptized the 12 apostles the other apostles and then from those apostles, they baptized everyone else. St. Peter only ever baptized the apostles because just like St. Uh, Paul says, I don't want to baptize people because then people will start comp- competing. Well, I was baptized by, you know, St. Peter. Well, I was baptized by St. Luke or, mm. you know, St. John. And, we still hear that today, right? Yeah, I was baptized by the bishop. Well, you know, <laughs> so, uh, but St. Ignatius of Antioch, if you remember uh, the parable with Jesus, he says uh, he calls a child to him and says the kingdom of God belongs to, ch- to, to people like these, the children. Huh? Uh, it is widely regarded throughout tradition that that child was St. Ignatius of Antioch, mm-hmm. that he called St. Ignatius of Antioch to himself and said the, ch- the kingdom of God belongs to people like him. St. Peter, whenever he was going to be martyred in Rome, wrote down his successor in Antioch. He said, I want Ignatius as my successor. Whenever they were forming the Bible, uh, a lot of people may miss this, but the Catholic Church does not come from Scripture. Scripture comes from the Catholic Church. That it wasn't until the Council of, I think, Nicaea uh, in 371 where the Bible was formulated 
right, that they decided, the council decided, okay, these books, these letters are going to be made as scripture, as canon, what it's mm. called. And one of the number one uh, people that they were arguing about whether it should be included in scripture or not is St. Ignatius. Because he wrote letters to Ephesus, wrote letters to Rome, wrote letters to uh, Ephes, uh, Ephes, the Ephesians, right? And so we have his letters. Um, St. Ignatius of Antioch is the first person we know about that used the term Catholic Church, universal church. He is actually the person we get a lot of our hierarchy from because he wrote about the structure of the church in regards to bishops and priests. Uh, and the hierarchy mm-hmm. and how obedience works with that and where and what the figure of the bishop means and what the figures of priesthood mean. Uh, St. Ignatius of Antioch wrote extensively about the Eucharist, which makes a lot of sense because if he was trained by St. John, St. John writing John chapter 6, that kind of our famous Eucharistic uh, expose, right? Uh, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. Um, St. Ignatius of Antioch wrote extraordinary things about the Eucharist, saying that they, meaning other people, abstain from eating the the Eucharist because they fail to profess that the Eucharist is the true body and true blood of Jesus Christ. He said, and and he writes extensive works on this. Uh, he's most not most people know Saint Ignatius because of the way he died, which was being eaten by lions. Mm. St. Ignatius... What a way to go. Yeah, oh, look, he was happy to go, too. <laughs> it's pretty radical. He, uh, Whenever he died, or uh, he was captured and imprisoned, a lot of the Christian communities, a lot of the Catholic communities at the time, tried to break him out of prison because he was, they, he was being transferred to go be eaten by lions. And whenever that happened, St. Ignatius wrote to them and says, do not do that. He said, are you, are you crazy? Why, why do you hate me? He says, if God has given me this beautiful death, then why would you take that from me? I can be like bread in the teeth of the lions. He says, in a small way, be like the Eucharist. It was incredible. His, his, I like that. Oh, and whenever he, uh, and that was a key thing with the early church, that how did the gospel spread so much if people were dying left and right? Or if people, you know, were being killed for the faith, like St. Ignatius. And I think it's lost today. But the reason why Christianity, Catholicism spread like it did was because of joy. That these early Christians, these early Catholics, were being killed for the faith, being persecuted for the faith, suffering for the faith, but in joy. And it mystified other people. People would look at this and say, how in the world is uh, St. Ignatius being eaten by lions and praising God for that? How in the world is, uh, you know, St. Lawrence being grilled alive and he's making jokes? Hmm. You know, how is St. How is Saint Stephen being shot with arrows and giving praise to God? How are these people singing on their way to be killed? The way that the Catholicism spread was joy. 
any time that the gospel has been persecuted throughout history, it hasn't um, crushed the gospel. It's propelled it. And you know where that quote, so that idea, you know where that came from? Mm -mm. St. Ignatius of Antioch. Mm -hmm. St. Ignatius of Antioch said that the Catholic Church grows under persecution. Interesting. He said that the church grows and is... Well, because it, it makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Because people... It would really make sense today because people don't stand for anything. They argue about everything, but they don't take a stance for anything, right? And so I really believe that when you see people that are committed to their faith in such a way that they're joy-filled and not arrogant and judgmental and all the things, right? But they're full of joy. It becomes attractive because, well, in RCIA last Sunday, we began our inquiry process, right? And we talked about searching for happiness, right? How we are all created to be filled with joy and we're in constant search for that. Where do I find that? Right. And ultimately, we find it in God. And so the Christian that's filled with joy, that's persecuted, that still emits joy is attractive to the world Yeah, because the world hasn't experienced that, but is looking for it. St. Paul and his, he's giving, I think it's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. So there's kind of if you collect them all, I believe. Uh, but in, in, in one of them, he lists nine of them and he lists them in order. He says, the gifts of the Spirit are love and joy. And then he goes on after that. So the very first gift of the Holy Spirit is God himself, right? So God is love. But then the very first gift of God is joy. I found the quote, uh, St. Ignatius said, Christianity is greatest when it is hated by the world. Mm. And so, and I, I kind of said in my homily on St. Ignatius that I think it's lost. That is a big piece that's lost today in our faith. That because persecution or like suffering for the faith doesn't really happen, that anytime someone endures for the faith, they complain or they hold on to that or they draw attention to themselves about that. Mm, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. We we see it all the time, right? I see it. I see it every day. And I, it's Saint. Uh, I'm, I say Saint. Or he'll be a saint one day. Fulton Sheen would. He's kind of famous for a number of things, but he would. I remember he would go into hospitals and he'd be preaching, and he says, "Don't waste your suffering." Mm. He said, "There's too much wasted suffering in hospitals." And so when people endure for the faith, they're doing this for the whatever, and you know, they get some backlash or they have some hard times or whatever, don't waste that. Enjoy, endure it. Mm -hmm. That is how the faith was spread. No one likes a, a, a sourpuss uh, saint or a frowny face saint. Yeah. Um, but even, even saints that talk about, you know, mortification and stuff like that, like internally they're joyful. Mm -hmm. Well, look at, I mean, John Paul II, look at Mother Teresa. Oh, yeah. A lot of suffering in their lives. I mean, the world watched John Paul II die, right? Mm -hmm. And we watched him decline. Um, and I think that there was such a witness there to the world of, yeah. of redemptive suffering and the power of that. You yeah. Know? yeah. 
Mother Teresa was quoted as saying just, you know, not long before she died, she was in the hospital and was overheard telling the doctor who was begging her to stay in the hospital. There's far too many people suffering and dying in the streets for me to wither away in here. Yeah. And I think we, yeah, every great, I think, who is it? Probably, I'm going to just say St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Even another another likely, great saint? No, that's probably not him. But he, maybe <laughs> St. Hildegard uh, said that every grace God gives comes through and with a cross. Mm. Because, uh, you know, the salvation of the world happened through the crucifixion of Jesus. And so if God wants to give a grace, there's usually a little a splinter of the cross attached to it, you know. And so enjoy, I endure my cross, mm -hmm. right? Enjoy because in some way, shape or form, that's for my salvation. Anytime I have a thoraka, I have a bad experience, I have this or that, I have, I have to endure it with joy and patience one of the one of the best homilies that I and I go back and listen to it often um, the priest said for every good Friday we know that there's going to be an Easter Sunday mm -hmm. and to get to Easter Sunday we always have to go through a good Friday yeah yeah, yeah so St. Ignatius of Antioch I, I just remember that story uh, from a child can you imagine being that child that Jesus calls to his lap and says the kingdom of God belongs to such? He was he was made for greatness. <laughs> he was blessed from the beginning. Uh, St. Ignatius, uh, such a such a incredible figure. Well, I mean, aren't we all? Yeah. Are we all made for greatness? Yeah, well, Saint, uh, Saint, one <clears> day he'll be a why saint. Exist. Pope Benedict said that, uh, Pope Benedict, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, that we weren't made uh, for success. We were made for greatness. Mm -hmm. We weren't made for fame. We, were we weren't made, made for mediocrity. Yeah, we weren't made to be successful. We were called to be faithful. Mm -hmm. That was Mother Teresa. Yeah. So... That was my tidbit on uh, St. Ignatius. I just, I still, it was uh, surprising after I preached, I was like, man, I forgot how much I loved him, you know? Uh, kind of having that, me finding out about him in seminary and uh, everything like that. And so people that have struggles with the Eucharist, they say, where's that in script? I was like, man, look at the apostolic father, the people that were trained to buy the apostles themselves. There's no way you can read them and like St. Ignatius clearly states that the, the bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus, not in a symbolic way, in a real way. So much so that whenever he was eaten alive, he says in a small way, uh, this is kind of like the Eucharist. And he said, because, you know, he's not God. And so it, the way that Jesus did it was way more radical than me being eaten alive by lions. That's how that's how much they believed yeah. in the Eucharist. They were willing to give their lives for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. The readings. <laughs> but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Yep. And that's just such a great line. The, uh, that was from our gospel this past Sunday. Yeah, we're going to take a hard right. You a know? hard right. Thank you, St. Ignatius, for your contribution to our podcast uh, this morning. Yeah. Now we're going to go back to Jesus' words. Yeah, yeah, we're going to take a hard right. A word from our sponsor. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, <laughs> there we go. Will he find faith on earth? The, um, it starts off with Moses, uh, the first reading, Moses battling Amalek. Um, 
And it's interesting because Saint, uh, well, not Saint, but Origin of Alexandria, a church father commentary on, he kind of says that that's like our battle with sin. Mm. Because in the, in the passage of the battle, you know, God commands him that he kill everyone. <laughs> no survivors, no POWs, no nothing. That's fine. Right? Uh, and people, that's a, that's a hard passage. I mean, that's from the words of, that's from the mouth of God. That's difficult. That you, we can't um, kind of ignore that. Or Ignate uh, Origin said that that is like our battle with sin, that we can't leave any remnants behind. We have to do battle with it and uproot it. Not only get rid of the sin, but I have to get rid of the love of that sin. I can't let up. I need to persevere. And then our gospel talks about what do we persevere in? We persevere in faith and in prayer. The two people holding up the arms of Moses, of course, you know, we need good friends, but also faith and prayer holds up the arms of Moses. That faith, that from my faith comes my prayer. That I don't pray for things I don't believe in. So, once I have faith, I pray. And then when I pray, my faith is strengthened. It's kind of like, how do you learn how to swim? You learn how to swim by swimming. Mm. How do you learn how to pray? You learn how to pray by praying. You got to do it. Uh, it's not a sideline sport. No. And so... Uh, you can pick up things from other people, right? Um, you can begin to learn to pray by listening to others pray, by watching others pray, by all the things, right? But And ultimately, hopefully, you get to the point where you learn, where you experience prayer the way that you pray. Yeah because we're all going to approach God differently and God's going to approach each one of us differently. And there's going to be similarities in, in the way he approaches us and the, for example, the way he approaches me and the way he approaches you and the way that I approach him and the way you approach him. And, and yet it's altogether a different relationship. Yep. And so the, uh, faith and prayer, praying strengthens my faith. Um, from my faith comes my prayer. So it's kind of like a cyclical thing, right? We were talking about adoration mm-hmm. right before uh, the podcast. Adoration is where we go and we adore the Blessed Sacrament inside a monstrance, right? A monstrance holding something, uh, uh, holds the Eucharist. John Bosco or St. John Vianney, one of the two, I forget, that said, when we adore our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, he in turns adores us. Mm-hmm which I always thought was just a like as we offer worship and adoration to him he's adoring us back right and the image that comes to mind as a dad is you know maybe not so much with a 14 year old son right yeah but when that 14 year old <laughs> son was a newborn like watch parents adore their kids oh wow that's beautiful you know like um and, and we still do when they get older, right? It's just different, right? Because the relationship changes. But but when I forget who told me that quote, and I and I really don't remember if it's John Bosco or that's John a Bannon. really good example. But uh, like but that's the image that comes to mind. Like that's beautiful. God the Father adores us as a parent would adore their n- newborn child. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying adoration. Adoration. We have something here whenever we adore in the church. Mm-hmm. It's called a tabor which mm-hmm. is 
what we put the monstrance on the thing that holds the Eucharist and it, our Tabor has uh, angels mm-hmm. on the side of it we get that uh, from Mount Tabor where Christ was transfigured and mm-hmm. then you know the angels kind of bowing down because in the Old Testament uh, the tabernacle or the Holy of Holies they put two solid golden angels on the side mm-hmm. uh, kind of adoring this box that held uh, holy things right so the mm-hmm. Ten Commandments the staff the um, so, ador- adoration. How do I go to adoration? I think people complicate it. Um, adoration is where we go to adore. So, our primary thing should be just sitting in silence, looking at the Eucharist. I think, John Ray, you had a beautiful example how a parent just adores their child. Mm-hmm. That I think that's an incredible. Or St. John Vianney, I think it was, he said, like, he had, a parishioner told him, like, whenever he was in adoration, he says, I, a parishioner told St. John Vianney, I look at him and he looks, and at, he me. looks at me. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. Like people, they'll bring books, they'll bring reflections, they'll bring, you know, music, or, you know, I don't know. Uh, they do all types of stuff in adoration. Mm-hmm. But that I think that's the wrong idea. That well, Actually, that is the wrong idea of what adoration is. Like if you're reading the whole time in adoration, well, then you're reading. You're not you're adoring. Not, you're not adoring. It's a... It's an eyelash to eyelash moment, right? I think Mother Teresa called it that, right? Where we come eyelash to eyelash with a God who loves us so much, who spoke us into existence, right? It would be as if I was sitting in front of St. Ignatius of Antioch, Mm -hmm. right? Assuming he would still be alive, and I was reading a book that he wrote, or (laughs) that, you know, or, 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 or even better, it would be as if Alicia and I went on a date, and her mom wrote a book about her, and I sat there and I read the book about Alicia instead of having a conversation with her. The right? example that was given to me was like the Bible, your highest spiritual reading. Huh? That's that's the love letters of God. Mm-hmm. But like, think of uh, a warrior coming back home from the war, you know, a soldier, uh, and he's re- and he's in a very intimate moment, you know, he's with his wife uh, in bed. And like he just starts reading her letters mm. instead of like looking at her mm-hmm. and and talking with her. He said, "No, you, the scriptures when you're away from God, you know, and you, you you need some spiritual reading and stuff. But when you're in adoration, you're right there. Think of any picture you have ever seen of any saint in adoration, whether it's Mother Teresa of Calcutta, uh, Saint John Paul II, or the like. They're always just sitting there." And Mother Teresa of Calcutta was very open. Well, after, you know, it became very open. She was uh, the dark night of the soul. Where she didn't, for 50 years, she didn't hear God one time. Mm. Not one time did God ever speak to her. And yet, every single day, she would do at least one hour of adoration. She just knelt there and did nothing. Yeah. Every single day. And that's adoration. Think of Mary beneath the cross. She's just looking at her son, mm-hmm. and he's looking at her. That's that's adoration, or like Mary holding Jesus as a ba- as a baby. That's adoration. Now, for those of you who are hearing this, that bring your book and your journal and your things, we're not saying that we're not saying that you shouldn't 
ever do that, right? We're saying the goal is to get to the point where it's just you and Jesus Mm -hmm. looking at each other, adoring one another as you adore him, he adores you, right? And your relationship, your prayer life, right? Becomes a lot more intimate. Yeah. Fulton Sheen said that for his holy hour, he would do 45 minutes of silence and 15 minutes of, you know, whether it's, and that's, this is sporadic. Huh? So like he said about 15 minutes, you know, I'll pick up something or like even sometimes just touching the book refocuses my mind because my mind can wander. Sure. Or even just touching my rosary, it, it kind of is like a bullwhip. It just focuses me back. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a, that's a good guesstimation, a good mm-hmm. kind of guardrails to try to work to, like 45 minutes of just being there in silence, right? Because God does speak. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, I don't always listen. And look, maybe the distraction as your mind wanders is the thing that he wants you to focus on, too. Or I I remember... Or let go of. Yeah, I remember whenever I first started to pray, I was, uh, you know... For, before I got to seminary, or even during seminary, you know, I was still a little, I was still a kid. I was playing video games. I mean, and how stuff is like that, that different from today? Maybe the <laughs> I video don't play games. Video games no more. Okay. <laughs> but I remember going to uh, adoration and just thinking about my video games. Mm. Uh, but God was showing me that I was putting video games before Him. Well, look, when I was a kid, I think I've said this on the podcast. My mom would drag me to adoration at 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning I, you know like I was a teenager God bless her and I would sleep because I was a teenager and I remember my pastor uh, he said she she was complaining one day I, yeah he comes and he just falls asleep and she and he looked at her and he said well he's resting in the spirit you know yep. <laughs> yeah so the uh yeah, working your I way. I mean, up. God spoke to Joseph in a dream. He could have spoken yeah. to me. I don't oh, remember. Absolutely. But he well, St. Therese uh, Leger, uh, she would defend sleep in, in adoration. She said, I'm falling asleep in my father's arms. Mm, that baby, yeah. right? Yeah, she's a little, little child Jesus. Let me sit with that image for a minute. So, to sum it all up, right? We, uh, Our goal in prayer is to have an intimate relationship with the God of the universe who loves us, right? And if and when we do that, as the scriptures called us to last Sunday, um, unceasingly, maybe even annoyingly, like the the woman and the mm-hmm. judge, um, that when the Lord returns, he will find faith on earth. Yep. The faith comes from us, though. Spread the gospel through joy, just like St. Ignatius. Maybe you won't be eaten by lions, but you're enduring some cross, some splinter of the cross. Endure it with joy, because know that grace is attached to it. Remember that red martyrdom is maybe easier than white, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. We'll have an episode uh, about that later if you don't know what I'm talking about. and uh, And where does that joy come from? Intimacy with Christ in prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, faith in prayer. And uh, a great way to start is an adoration. Absolutely. If this episode has blessed you, we would like to invite you to share it with a friend. Be sure to like us and follow us on your podcast listener of choice. We look forward to seeing you all this weekend. God bless. God bless. God bless.